Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. How many of you glad to be here this morning? Amen. I know a group that is, uh, is really glad to be here this morning. It's these parents that are standing down here before us. We had a pretty large group in the first service, and, and now we have these in the second service. These parents are excited because today is baby dedication day, and, uh, and I'm excited. I know this is an opportunity where we as a faith family uh, have to just stare at these kids, and it's just such a, a, a great sight to see. So I'm going to turn things over to Pastor Gabe as he comes and, and just does our baby dedication this morning. So. And it is a very special day, but we actually started yesterday at our baby dedication brunch, and it was just a time for these families and eight other families to come together and really just to pray over their children. We were able to read scripture together, challenge each other, uh, and, but with that, one of my favorite things about yesterday was that time of prayer, seeing the parents, and some of them had grandparents just surrounding their children and laying hands on them, just pray over them, seeing moms and dads literally weep for their children to come to know Jesus. And so it was just a special time as a family pastor to see the hearts of these parents. And so parents, I just want to challenge you with something that we talked about yesterday. And I'm going to read a quote from uh, David Platt. He says this, Our goal in parenting is this. It's not ultimately for our kids to get a great education or for them to be great athletes or to find a great husband or have a great career. Our goal is for them to love a great God. That's our heartbeat for your children that are right here. Every parent in here, that should be our heartbeat. Yes, we want them to get an education. Yes, we want them to play sports or do those things. But more importantly than all those things, that they would love and follow Jesus Christ. And so in a minute, we're going to pray that specifically for your children. But, but parents, I just want to ask you a specific question. And, and as you, I ask you this, will you respond? We will to the response. Parents, do you commit to raising your children in pursuit of God, and obedience to his word. Amen. 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 Can we celebrate that this morning? Yeah. <laughs> and Crosspoint, the beautiful thing is that we are a faith family. And if you have children, you know that raising children is a community project. Uh, amen to that, right? Mm. We need other people in our lives to help raise our children. And so that's our heartbeat as a church, to partner with families to make disciples. And so Crosspoint Church, I want to ask you to commit to coming beside these parents, to be the scaffolding, to surround them, to help them when they're weak, but then also to help guide them with their children to follow after Jesus. So Crosspoint Church, I want to ask you that same question. At the end, will you respond, we will, if you commit to helping these parents raise their children in pursuit of God. So Crosspoint, do you commit to helping these parents raise their children in pursuit of God in obedience to his word. We will. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Cross Point. And I'm going to ask you to just pray over these families and uh, just ask God to bless these families. So let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we're so thankful, God, that you designed the family. God, it's from you. Marriage is from you. The family is from you. And so, God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would work in the lives of these children. Father, I pray for their salvation. Father, at an early age, they would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. They would see their desperate need for you, Jesus, and, and see how you are the only one for them. Father, I pray you protect them in this life. God, that they would love you more than any earthly thing. 
God, I lift up these parents to you. Father, I lift up their marriages. I lift up the husbands, God, that they would lead faithfully, that they would honor and protect their marriage and their family. Father, I lift up the wives, the moms. Father, that they would speak life into their children, into their marriage. Father, that they would be an example to their children how we follow after you, Jesus. So God, we ask that your blessing would be on them. God, we are just so excited just to see life, new life in this church. And so God, we ask that you would continually just be glorified through their lives. In your holy name we pray, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate with these families one more time? Thank you, parents. Thank you, Gabe. Uh, as we said, it's a special time in their life, I know, and it's a, it's a great opportunity that we have to just share in that with them. This morning, we're going to continue in our series that we launched uh, last week called Share the Season. And in this series, our, our hope is, is, to, is to think about uh, the, the, the opportunities that we have as children of God, as disciples of Christ, as the church, to, to be a people of generosity throughout the holiday season. You know, we have a, a lot of different ways that we can give, but one of the things that we were thinking about as a staff is, is probably the greatest gift that we could give anybody is to give them Jesus. You know, to, to take two people in our community, our family and friends, our coworkers and our fellow students, uh, an opportunity for people to know Jesus like we know Jesus. And so we want to continue to do that. And if we're going to give away Jesus during the holiday season, then we need to know something about Jesus, don't we? And so that's what we've been doing as we, as we launched this series last week. We're looking at the characteristics of Christ Jesus. And last week we looked at the reality that Jesus is capable. Jesus is capable. Today we're going to be looking at a, an issue that is very important for the Christian faith, and that is one of forgiveness, of forgiveness. And, and so this morning uh, we're going to be looking at this truth that Jesus is forgiving. Let me ask you a question this morning, Crosspoint. How many of you are thankful that Jesus is forgiving? Amen? Amen. We're excited about that. We celebrate that. That is something that we're very thankful for. And uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about here this morning. You know, forgiveness is something that uh, for every one of us in this room, we've, we've all hoped for at some point in our life. We've, we've hoped for forgiveness. Uh, we, we desired to uh, to, to have forgiveness. But forgiveness is also one of those things that it, for many of us, we have needed to extend to others. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about how those two truths come together, how we see in Scripture that Jesus is indeed forgiving, that Jesus has forgiven us as true believers or followers of Christ Jesus, but that we also, as children of God, are called to extend that same forgiveness. And so we're going to be diving into the Word of God this morning and taking a look in a, at a deeper level of what forgiveness really means and, and, and why it's so important for us to, to be reminded of it in a series like this. And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verse 13. And this is going to be our text today as, as we begin to think about the reality or the truth that Jesus is forgiving. And so we're going to be looking at this uh, together here this morning. Now in Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul, he starts off this chapter 
by really uh, speaking on uh, this idea of the new person that we are in Christ Jesus. And so he, he begins to talk about this, this change that takes place in us when we come to know who Christ Jesus is. He says we're no longer who we used to be, but instead we are a new person in Christ Jesus. And the instructions that we receive uh, from the Word of God, the instructions that we have to, to put off the old self and to put on the new self. And so Paul is talking about this in chapter 3 of Colossians. He's talking about the, the, this truth or this idea that, that we need to put away those things that are sinful. We need to not be that kind of person as we embrace being a new person in Christ Jesus. And he's talking about things like malice or slander. And, and so things like that where he's, he's saying, listen, this is not who you are to be, but instead this is who you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be the new self, the new person. And he begins to talk about some of the characteristics of Christ and how we are to put on those characteristics of Christ, things like humility and patience and even being a person of forgiveness. And so this morning we're going to be looking at that as Paul continues to list these things out. By the time he gets to verse 13, this is what he says. And this is what I want us to read here together this morning. Colossians 3, verse 13, reading together. He says this, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. And then here's where I really want to zoom in on this text this morning. The second half of what the Word of God is teaching us here together this morning. As we zoom in, we see this phrase. As the Lord has forgiven you, then so you also must forgive. Now, I don't know if you realize just how important that statement is. You know, when he's writing to the Ephesians, Paul says something uh, similar to that when he says, be kind to one another, and as the Lord has forgiven you, then so you also must forgive. So he says the same thing to the Ephesians when he's writing to them. But there's this idea as he talks about putting off the old self and putting on the new self, cloaking ourselves, if you will, with the righteousness of Christ and, 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 and taking on the characteristics of Jesus. As we begin to study that, we begin to see that he is one of the things that he is adamant about us doing or being in the same manner that Christ is, is being a person of forgiveness. And so he says, as Christ has forgiven you in that same manner that he has forgiven you, then you also must be forgiving to others. And so this becomes huge for us. As believers in Christ Jesus, this becomes really huge for us. It's very important for us to understand that. This morning, what I want to do is try to answer three questions for us. The first question is, what is forgiveness? And I know that mo many of you are probably thinking, well, you understand what forgiveness is. We're going to look at it more deeply here today as we dive into this text. But what is forgiveness? The second question that we're wanting to answer is, how are we blessed by Christ's forgiveness? We know that, that Christ has forgiven us as, as believers in Christ Jesus. That's, that's, a, that's a, a requirement for us to have salvation, the forgiveness of Christ Jesus. But how are we blessed by Christ's forgiveness of us? And then the third question that we want to answer here and we want to look at, try to answer, is how are we blessed when we begin to forgive others in our life? 
And so these are the three questions I want to sort of dig into this morning in the time that we have left. The first one is this. What is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? If we look in the dictionary, we get a good glimpse of what forgiveness might be. Uh, we, we see this, uh, that forgiveness is, uh, it really means to stop feeling angry or resentment towards someone for an offense or wrongdoing. So if somebody does something to us, then forgiveness would look like us moving into a place where, where we are no longer angry or resentful toward them. But I believe this is only the beginning of what forgiveness really is. In, in Scripture, it no doubt means that. As, as we look at the Word of God, it teaches us that we are to no longer be angry. We are no longer to be resentful toward those who hurt us when we forgive them. But, but it has a much deeper meaning than that. And that's where really Christ comes into the picture, where we begin to see the work of Christ specifically on the cross. And we see some really amazing things sort of unfold that help us define exactly what forgiveness really is. It's all those things we just mentioned, plus it also means, as we look into Scripture, that it means to cancel or release someone from a debt. To cancel a debt or to release someone from a debt. And so we begin to see that forgiveness takes on a fuller meaning as we begin to dive into Scripture and as we think about the reality that Jesus Christ has forgiven us. Because one of the things that we know as believers in Christ Jesus is that Jesus Christ paid the price for us that we could not pay. How many of you agree with that this morning? Amen? How many of you are thankful for that this morning? We, we could never pay the price that we owe. And what I mean by that is the reality that the Bible teaches us is that we are all sinners who fall short of the glory of God, that the wages of sin is death. That's what we see in Scripture as we read through the gospel, the wages of sin is death. And so what we are owed because of our sin is death. And so we can't go and pay the price because we are sinners. The, the Bible teaches us this. But the reality is, and this is where the good news of Christ comes in, is that Christ paid the price for us. So in his forgiveness, it's not that he's just simply not holding resentment against us as sinners, but he is also canceling the debt that we owe. And so that makes forgiveness a, a, a lot stronger of a word than maybe we've ever considered it before as we think about all of this. Uh, you know, one of the things I love about the gospel is the story of redemption. I, I love the story of salvation. I love what the gospel teaches us about what Christ can do for us. And we see this all throughout the scripture. I, I would love to just share about 150 verses with you at this time, but I'm not, Okay. Uh, I would love to share all the verses that are sort of pointing to this, but I want to share a few of them because I want you to get the, the gist of what Christ has accomplished for us. As I said earlier, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We also know that Romans 6.23 says, The wages of those sins is death. But now I want you to look at this, this verse with me, 2 Peter 3.9. 2 Peter 3.9 that says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness, but look at this, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Repentance is turning away from our sin, okay? But look at what it says here. 
the Lord is patient toward you, not wishing, not wishing that, uh, that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Let me ask you a question here, faith family, this morning. How many of you are thankful as I am that the Lord is patient with us? Amen? Isn't that a wonderful truth that the Lord is patient with us? You know, the reality is that many times when we have, when we have sinned against God, when we find ourselves in sin, oftentimes it takes a, a good while for us to come to our senses and to realize that we're living in a place of sin and to turn back to Him, to repent and confess of our sin, turn back to Him. And, and, and so I am thankful that when we find ourselves in that place that the Lord is patient with us. But here's where the gospel continues. As we continue to read, we see this promise that it says in 1 John 1 9, if we confess of our sins, now here's the here's the really powerful part. If we confess of our sins, look at this. He is faithful and just to what? To forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful and just. When we turn away from our sin, when we confess of our sin, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I know uh, that you're thankful for that verse, right? And for that promise that we have in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful thing when we look at the gospel and what the gospel teaches us about sin in our life. And the reality that we have a God who deeply cares for us, who is deeply concerned for us, and he is patient with us, and he is waiting for us to turn to him in a spirit of confession and repentance, and then he is faithful to forgive us of our sin and also cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That is the Jesus that we serve, amen? That is the Jesus that we worship on Sunday morning when we come into this place. A beautiful beautiful Savior. And so we begin to get an idea of what, uh, what uh, forgiveness really is. Now, now, we notice as we look at this that forgiveness is directly tied to two things, and I think it's important that we understand this, that forgiveness is directly tied to confession and repentance, to confession and repentance. And so we as, as, as Humanity, we must turn to God. We must confess of our sins. We must acknowledge our transgressions against God. But we also repent, which means to turn away from. We don't wallow in. We don't stay on track with sin. We turn away from that, and we turn to God. And it's then that he is faithful to forgive and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. It's very important that we understand that forgiveness is directly tied to confession and repentance. That's what we see here in 1 John 1, 9. I love what 2 Chronicles seven fourteen says. I know this is going back to the Old Testament. I, I, I love the Old Testament, but here, here's, where we, here's where we read this promise. It says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will what? Forgive their sin and heal their land. So what we begin to see as we study what is forgiveness, as we ask ourselves that question, as we go to Scripture and try to understand what exactly forgiveness is, we begin to see that it is a deliberate act of God to show His mercy or to extend His mercy 
and his grace and his restoration and his redemption. A beautiful story. A beautiful thing, this thing called forgiveness. Amen? We're all thankful for it. And so we begin to look at this and we begin to understand it. Ravi Zacharias, I love what he says. He's speaking on works, but he, he makes this, this sort of uh, thing, he reveals this to us. He says, one of the most staggering truths of Scripture is to understand that we do not earn our way into heaven. Works have a place, but only, look at this, as a demonstration of having received God's, what? Forgiveness. And so that's forgiveness. That's, that answers the question, what is forgiveness? Now, how are we blessed by the forgiveness of Christ? How are we blessed by forgiveness of Christ? In what ways? Now, here's where our minds immediately go to when you ask that question. For most of us here today, we would say, well, I'm blessed because I have eternal life in Christ Jesus, that I get to spend an eternity with the Father. I'm no longer separated by this giant you know, gap uh, between my unholiness and the holiness of God, but because Christ died on the cross and, and he has imparted his righteousness upon me, that he has saved me and I believe in him, I'm a follower of Christ Jesus, that now he has closed the gap and I have an opportunity to spend an eternity with God. And no doubt that's where most of us sort of camp out when we begin to think about the, the, the blessing of Jesus' forgiveness in our life or the blessing of salvation in our life. But I want to show you something, because I think it goes much deeper than that. You know, many of us that are in this room today, we probably struggle with this idea of we know Christ has forgiven us, but we don't always feel like we've been forgiven. You ever been there? You ever, you ever wonder if God's maybe storing up your sin, and, and, and when, you, when you're a bad boy or you're a bad girl, he's going to bring it up and say, listen, we're, we're still dealing with this. I mean, you know, we, we seem to, as humanity, and even as Christ followers, a lot of times as we live out life, we, 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 we know that Christ has forgiven us, forgiven us of our sins. We haven't forgiven ourselves. And we can't let go of it. We, we kind of hang on to it. We, we, we just sort of camp out. We go back. We revisit the sin in our past. But I want to show you something. This is one of the ways that we are blessed in the forgiveness of Christ Jesus. When Jesus forgives us of our sins, our trespasses, our transgressions, they are white clean. We are made clean. And so what we begin to see is that no longer are these sins a part of our life. In fact, they've been wiped away from the record. I love what Jeremiah 31, 34 says. It says, for they shall all know me uh, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. And then look at what he says. For I will forgive them their iniquity. And I will remember their sin no more. If we, as followers of Christ Jesus, have confessed our sin and we have repented of our sin, we have turned away from that, and God has forgiven us of our sin, then we too must let it go. Because we receive the greatest blessing that Jesus has wiped our record clean. Another blessing that we have in the forgiveness of Christ is, is the actual presence of God in our life. If, if we look at Acts 2, verse 38, we see something really remarkable about the forgiveness of sin. We read here in Acts 2, verse 38, that Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, look, for the forgiveness of your sins. Now look at this. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
one of the greatest blessings that we have as disciples of Jesus Christ is the presence of God in our life. Amen? You know, we've talked a lot about in the past about the peace that surpasses all understanding. You know where that comes from? It comes from the presence of God in our life. We talk about joy in our life, this joy and this peace in our life, when, when really our circumstances say we shouldn't be joyful, but yet we find ourselves joyful anyway. You know where that comes from? It comes from the presence of Christ. It comes from one of the greatest gifts that we've ever received, and that is the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. When, Jesus was, was, when we were told that Jesus was coming to this earth, we were told that his name would be Emmanuel, which means what? It means God with us. One of the greatest blessings for us concerning the forgiveness of Christ Jesus is the presence of God in our life. Here's another one, and we've already talked about this briefly, but I want to talk about it a little more, and that is his patience. One of the things that we must always remember is the patience of Christ in our life. Remember what we read earlier in 2 Peter 3, 9. I want to read that again. It says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill the promise as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that when I find myself straying away from from God, when I find myself at a place where maybe I'm not walking the way God would have me to walk, when I come to that place in my life where I, I feel more distant than God than close, I am thankful that I can turn to a holy and righteous God and I can confess my sin and I can turn away from that sin and I can run back into the arms of my Savior because He is patiently waiting for me. How many of you are thankful for that this morning? Don't we serve a mighty God? Don't we serve an awesome God? I love what Charles Stanley once said. Charles Stanley, he, he, he wrote this one time. He says, when we stray from, the pre from his presence, he longs for you to come back. He weeps that you are missing out on his love, protection, and provision. He, no he throws his arms open. He runs towards you. He gathers you up, and he welcomes you home. What an amazing Savior we have in Jesus. This is the same thing that we see in the prodigal son, in the, in, the, in the parable of the prodigal son, where the father welcomes the son back in open arms. This is the father that we have. This is the, the God that we serve. We are tremendously blessed by Christ's forgiveness. Christ has forgiven us, and we are tremendously blessed by his forgiveness. One of those ways being patient. So without forgiveness, we miss out on all of this. Without forgiveness, we have no fellowship with God. Without forgiveness, we have no protection or provision with God. But with it, we have restoration, we have salvation, and we have blessing that is beyond anything that we could ever imagine. You know, when Jesus was hanging from the cross, and just before he slipped into death, the last words that he would say is, it is finished. You know what he was talking about? You know what Jesus was referencing? He was referencing the reality that he has paid the price that we could never pay. When he says it is forgiven, 
He is speaking directly about forgiveness. He is saying, I have accomplished what no other in this world or universe could ever accomplish. I have just accomplished what you could never accomplish for you cannot forgive yourself of your sins. Jesus would say, it is finished. The debt has been paid. And so here we see really a definition of forgiveness. We begin to understand exactly what forgiveness is. And we also see how incredibly blessed we are to be forgiven. And I would think that most of us in this room would agree with that. Now that's the easy part of this message. That's the part that gives us warm fuzzies, right? That's the part that we really feel good about because we are so thankful, especially as we enter into a a thankful time of the year like Thanksgiving. We are thankful for our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're thankful that He has forgiven us. But here's the third and final question that we've yet to answer. The third question is this. How are we blessed when we forgive others? You see, if we go back to our text for just a moment, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, we read these words. As the Lord has forgiven you, how is that? We just looked at that, right? We just saw how it is that God has forgiven us. It's not an in-depth study. We could go on and on and on for for multiple hours on on how Christ has blessed us through his forgiveness. But we've got got a glimpse of it anyway. So as the Lord has forgiven you, we are instructed in God's word, so you also must forgive. He holds no resentment against us. He's not angry toward us. And he has canceled the debt that we owe. And in the same way, the word of God challenges us to forgive others. Ouch. Right? That's the hard part. If you've never been wronged by anybody in your life at this stage in your life, count yourself tremendously blessed. Amen? Most of us in this room have been wronged by someone. It just happens. And it happens so frequently, I think, that maybe that's why the Word of God is teaching us something about how Christ has forgiven us. That when Christ turns to us and He forgives us, that He cancels out the debt that we owe and that He holds no anger or resentment toward us. And in that same way, He instructs us to forgive those who have hurt us. And that's where it gets really hard, doesn't it? Because we don't feel like forgiving the way Christ has forgiven us. We don't often feel like they even deserve our forgiveness, do we? And yet the Word of God is teaching us this. The Word of God is challenging us with this to to forgive the way Christ has forgiven us. And we know that this is one of the hardest things that we could ever be called to do. But here's what we, we must realize and what we must understand. That when we forgive the way Christ forgave us, when we carry out that same act of mercy and grace towards someone who may not deserve it, We are being obedient to what Christ wants us to be. And that's not always easy. But it doesn't have to be easy, does it? We just have to be faithful. You see, we begin to look in the Word of God and we begin to see how richly God 
rewards obedience. We shouldn't be obedient because we want the reward. I think we should be obedient because we love God. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's why we should love uh, God. That's why we should be obedient. We should want to live as Christ lived and instructed us to live because we love him so much and what he has accomplished for us. But we do see in Scripture where God rewards disobedience, when God rewards this act of obedience and faithfulness to our Savior. We go to passages like Isaiah 1, 19, and it says this, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. I love that. You shall be rewarded for your obedience to the Father. So when we serve God, when we follow God, when we obey God, when we are faithful to God, He richly rewards those who are faithful. How does He reward? Well, I think 1 John gives us insight on how the disciple of Jesus is rewarded or blessed by an act of forgiveness to others. When we read this, in 1 John 3, 24, it says, whoever keeps his commandment, that's obedience, abides in God and God in him. You know what it's talking about here? It's talking about true fellowship. None of us here today could ever imagine our lives without the presence of God in our life. We've already celebrated that together, right? We desire, we long for the presence of God in our life. We want that as believers in Christ Jesus. We want to, to walk with God. We want God to walk with us. We, we desire the fellowship of God. And so here we see in the scriptures that whoever keeps his commandment abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit. Remember we talked about that already. By the spirit whom he has given us. We are blessed. One of the greatest gifts we've ever been given is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. And we are blessed beyond measure by the presence of God in our life. But obedience is key to that. And here we begin to see, so we should remain faithful, we should Sometimes forgive those who we'd rather not forgive. Sometimes we hurt when we feel wrong and we feel it's inexcusable. And yet we forgive anyway. Why? Because we forgive the way Christ has forgiven us. Our works, our sin are inexcusable before God. Outside of Christ Jesus' righteousness. He has forgiven us of the inexcusable. And if he has forgiven us of the inexcusable, then we should excuse what we may perceive as inexcusable. C.S. Lewis said it like this one time. He says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. That's what God has done for us. That's what Christ Jesus has accomplished for us. That's what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And so it doesn't matter how hard it is to forgive or how in our flesh we may not desire to forgive. But what matters is that we just simply forgive others the way Jesus has forgiven us. What is our forgiveness supposed to look like? 
What does forgiveness of others look like? Henry Ward Beecher, an American pastor in the 1800s, he once said this. He says, I can forgive, but I cannot forget is only another way of saying I will not forgive. You know how convicting that was for me? How many times have you said, and I'll just go ahead and confess, I've said that before. I can forgive them, but I'll never forget. You see, when we make a comment like that, we don't understand what forgiveness is because forgiveness is tearing up the debt, remember? The debt's no longer owed. And so he says this, he says, he says to say I cannot forgive I can forgive, but I can't forget is only another way of saying I will not forgive. Forgiveness ought to be like a canceled note, torn in two, burned up, so that it can never be shown against one. This is the kind of forgiveness that Jesus extended to us. And so as we think about forgiving others, we must understand what forgiveness truly is. Forgiveness is not saying, I forgive you, but hanging on to it for a later date just in case you need it. That's not forgiveness. Not the way Christ forgave us. And so we see that Jesus is forgiving. And he's also challenged us to be like him. To live like him. And so as we do that, we begin to take off the old self. We begin to die to self. And we begin to clothe ourselves. We begin to cloak ourselves with the righteousness of Christ. And we begin to take on the image of Christ. And we become more like Christ. And if this is the way that Christ has forgiven, then we ourselves must forgive in the same way. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. One of the most remarkable stories of forgiveness of another individual was a story I read recently about a man named Jamel McGee and another man named Andrew Collins. Jamel was a guy in 2005 that was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. He'd gone into a convenience store, and when he came out, he was abruptly arrested by a guy named Andrew Collins for being a drug dealer. He was told to get on the ground, and it was around Jamel that drugs were found, and even though Jamel said, those aren't mine, you know, the the word was, well, that's what they all say, and the facts were gathered, or so they thought, and, and all of this goes to trial, and Jamel stands before the judge, and he's found guilty, and he's sentenced to prison. And it was in prison that he sat there for four years, and he was just wondering why he was accused of this crime that he never committed. And all he could think about was the hatred for this cop named Andrew that had put him away because he knew in his heart that he was innocent. Four years later, the cop, Andrew Collins, was arrested. 
You see, there had been this internal investigation done and, and some facts were revealed and it came to light that Andrew had made the story up to advance his career as a detective. Internal investigations had found that, that Andrew had, had basically made up the story and planted the drugs and, and arrested a, an innocent man. And so Jamel is released from prison and Andrew goes to prison. But the hatred that was in Jamel's heart was something that was just eating him alive because even though the things had been reversed, he knew that there were four years of his life taken away from him that he could never regain. And he was angry about it. And what Andrew had done to him was inexcusable. And all he wanted to do was just get his hands on him. He just wanted to get his hands on him. And he said, he, he testifies that I, all I want to do is just beat him up for what he had done to me. But you see, outside of prison, Jamel found Christ. And inside of prison, Andrew found Christ. 18 months later, Andrew is released from prison. And wouldn't you know that they find themselves working at the same faith-based organization? They recognized each other, but they didn't talk to one another. And the guilt that Andrew bore, the guilt that he held on to was eating him alive. And the anger that Jamel had was killing him as well. They found it very difficult to work together to where finally Andrew goes to Jamel. And with tears in his eyes, he looks at him. He says, I could never give you your four years back, but I am truly sorry for what I did to you. And Jamel looked at him, and he would later testify that this wasn't what he had originally felt, because as he stood there, he just wanted to jump on him. But he said the Spirit of God overcame him, and he looked at Andrew, and he said, that's all you need to do. And right then and right there, Jamel forgave Andrew for the inexcusable. You know, a funny thing happened. They started hanging out together. They became friends, and then they became best friends. To this day, they're still working together. They're going around to different places, to different churches and different organizations and speaking on the power of forgiveness. These two guys where one had wronged the other, now the best of friends. And I hear that story and I think about, man, the blessings that they must have received, Jamel having forgiven and Andrew having sought the forgiveness. But both finding themselves living a life under the image of Christ Jesus, putting off the old and putting on the new that they are in Christ Jesus. Faith family, Jesus has done something really remarkable in our life by forgiving us of our sins. 
And the Word of God teaches us that we are to forgive others the way He forgives us. Ephesians 1.7 says this, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. In just a moment, we're going to stand and we're going to sing that last song and our, our pastors are going to come down front. If you have any more questions about forgiveness or forgiving others, they are here to answer your questions. I'll be down on the front row if you'd like to come speak with me. This altar is open. I think one of the greatest things that could take place in our life today is to ask ourselves, is there any sin in our life that needs to be confessed? Is there any sin in our life that we need to turn away from? And give to Christ to where He can tear it up. Cancel that debt. Where the Savior Himself will remind us that He is the greatest blessing in our life. Or maybe today our greatest act of worship is to forgive someone who has wronged us. Or maybe to seek after the forgiveness of someone who is, we have hurt. The reality is the truth calls us to understand that the way Christ has forgiven us, we must also forgive others. Let us this morning, as we sing this last song, let us respond to Him and the great love that He has and the great passion that He has, the great care that He has for us. Let that penetrate our hearts and let us be thankful for Jesus and be more like Him. I'm going to pray then you respond. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for this time together where we can come and study your word together and God, that we can be encouraged by your presence in our life and Lord, even recognize the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as we are challenged, as we are convicted, as we are encouraged, as, as, as our despair is, is replaced with joy as our anxiety is replaced with peace. God, we let us here today recognize your work in our life. And let us be thankful that we have the privilege and the honor to walk with you and you with us. Father, thank you for your word that teaches when we turn away from our sin, when we turn to you, that the promise that we can hang on to is that we can abide in you and you abide in us. Father, we are in desperate need of your presence in our life. Father, we are thankful that you would send your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And we are thankful that we have a fuller understanding of truly what forgiveness is. It's not just simply not being angry with us, but it's making us white as snow. Lord, we acknowledge that we 
are not righteous because of any of our own works, but because of the work of Jesus on the cross. Father, we acknowledge that, Lord, our righteousness comes from our Savior, Jesus. Father, we are thankful that the greatest gift that you could ever give us is the gift of salvation and eternal life with you. Lord, help us to respond in whatever way would be honoring to you as we turn to you and love on you. In Jesus' name, amen.